Good evening and welcome to Conversations with Crystal. I'm your hostess, Crystal, and this evening our guest is Keith Todd. Welcome, Keith. How are you today? Hello, Crystal. Thanks for having me on your podcast. No worries, Keith. I'm really happy to have you. Lovely to be. Thank you. Thank you. I've known you for a fair while now, Keith, and I've always known you to be a consummate musician. And as a matter of fact, people call you the human jukebox. That's true. They do call me the human jukebox, and that would be because I have such a long list of uh, songs that I play, which is be over between 600 and 700 songs. Um, and I remember most of them without any lyrics or anything like that. I can just um, pull them out of my head. Yep. I don't know how I do it, but it's uh, definitely a gift and I'm, I'm really grateful to have that, that gift. Oh, definitely. And what I really love about you performing is the timbre of your voice. It's so beautiful. And of course you'll get, oh, of you. course you'll guitar playing, but it's mostly the timbre of your voice. It's just beautiful. Thanks very much, Chris. I think that's why a lot of people do come to see, watch me play, and hear me. And most of them say it's for my voice. And um, you know, I do love to play guitar, and I do the best I can on that. And uh, well, I think it's pretty adequate. I think. But, um, I think so too. Yeah, singing, singing is my really my first love, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so who or what was your earliest musical influence or inspiration? Geez, I'm almost, um, well, it was a fair bit of Beatles. Um, my mum and dad used to have a whole bunch of records and um, I used to play them and listen to them and soon worked out I really did like the Beatles. I had a lot of Beatles records and... Um, but also there was a lot of like a one hit wonder sort of stuff. You know, they, they used to sell those records in the, in the seventies. It gave every few months it'd bring out a fantastic 20 fantastic hits or whatever. Yeah. And um, they had a lot of those. They always, whenever a new one of those came out, they'd, they'd get, get one of those. And so there was a lot of the one hit wonder sort of songs that, um, you know, very catchy tunes with, Simple lyrics and catchy melodies, you know. Yeah, they're, they're some of, of the best, aren't they? Me. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So when did you first start playing guitar, Keith? Um, well, it wasn't really a guitar. It was, more, it was a tennis racket. <laughs> tennis racket. A tennis racket was my first guitar. <laughs> I used to jump up and down on the bed. I was a little kid, six or seven years old. with a, Whatever I could grab really what might not have been a tennis racket if anything that could tend to be a guitar yes and um i didn't actually get a guitar until i was about 10 or 11 and i still didn't know how to play it and i was still sort of just pretending i could play it so it wasn't until about 14 when i uh, picked up my brother's guitar and he showed me a few chords and um I pretty much taught myself from there. Uh, within a year or two, I was playing and pretty well. I could, you know, complete whole songs, and which was the goal. Absolutely. And when was and, this? When did the singing kick in? Uh, I pretty much started trying. To, I was singing from a young age. Like 
six or seven I'd be singing along with records and um, and as soon as I started to learn to play guitar I wanted to sing as well at the same time mm -hmm. so I worked pretty hard at that in the first year of playing you know, yeah I was at it every day you know like singing and playing three or four hours every day in the first year when I was about 14 and um, progressed pretty quickly then yes oh that's fantastic I um I hear so many musicians say, yep, we started around 12 or 14. That's when we got our first guitar. That's, you know, when our parents put us into lessons or they just got interested in it because of the Beatles or Led Zeppelin or somebody like yep. that. So can you remember the, the brand of your first guitar? <laughs> Not really, but it wasn't a very good one. <laughs> Would the strings have been about an inch off the fretboard? <laughs> yes, you know, you know, and didn't sound great, you know, like. But, um, I think my first decent guitar was a Yamaha. Oh, uh -huh. yep. Um, which, you know, adequate. It was a good guitar. Yeah. And um, could never really afford anything, like, too much. Like, the really good guitars, as you, you would know, they're like, thousands of dollars oh yes you know if you want the top shelf mm -hmm. you know most of my guitars were for the cheaper end of things ibanez and um takamine or takamini whichever you want to call mm -hmm. them um i had even a few really 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 cheap chinese guitars but um if you don't mention them though <laughs> No. I'm definitely spoiled these days. I have some beautiful guitars. Oh, I think you do too. And I happen to get one of those from you. I feel very lucky. That's true. It's true. <laughs> how's, that, how's that little My baby mate and going? My mini mate yeah. is wonderful. Yes. Uh, yeah, no, they're a really good guitar though. Oh, I yeah. Think. She recently had a... Um, fret crown is it or yeah something like that and they reset it up and did things to it so yeah, yeah. that makes a difference to oh it has done yes it has done that's for sure I thoroughly enjoy playing that guitar I must say I coveted that yeah. from the first moment I saw you with it <laughs> <laughs> no that's, that's, a, that's a good one too it's not the laminate you can get them with uh, laminated back and sides but that's all solid yeah. that, yes that yes the one you got which is that's a good one yes so i really appreciate that too thank you oh it's my pleasure so keith you know. how did you get your start as a musician as a working musician well um it sort of graduated from i did a lot of busking early on when i was a teenager and I, that's where I met another guy who was busking as well. And, um, you know, we've been wandering around the rocks um, after we'd finished busking and we went to a few pubs and we saw other musos playing in these pubs, like solos and duos, and we thought we could do that, you know. Like, mm. uh, anyway, um, my friend who was a teacher, he had a bit more money than, together than me, he bought all the gear necessary to working pubs and he went he went around and, and got us some jobs and um i think my first paid job was at um the rudy hill rsl oh. in the beer garden we, we actually scored a res residency there which was 
um, once every fortnight. And we did that for three or four months, I think. And then, then we um, then we looked into getting an agent, um, which we were successful at. Oh wow! Just took a uh, we just took an old a demo made a demo tape and took it down to the agent. Had some posters made up and and uh, you know just told him yeah we want you know looking for work and before you knew it we're working like three four nights every week. Uh, How great is that? Yeah, it was it was, it was great. Yeah. Yeah. And so you were quite young then, you said. Yeah, I was would have been uh, twenty. Okay. Twenty one then, I think. Yeah, about that. Yeah. Do you remember being nervous the first time you sung actually in the pub? Oh yeah, you know, very nervous first time, very first time. But um, you just believe in what you're doing, and once you get up there and start playing, you just do your thing, and sort of all the nerves just disappear. That's true, uh, yeah. I, I still get nervous sometimes. And like, you're going to play to a big crowd, yeah. you know, or you're playing to your peers or, you know, people who are, you, know, you look up to. Um, you can still get nervous. But you know what, but, Keith? So, They've come to yeah. see you. So that's yeah. something, isn't it? It is, it is. And, uh, I'm fortunate to have a bunch of a good group of people who follow me around these days which is awesome it is and it's always you know great to play for them yeah because you know they you know they love you and they support you and you can't set a foot wrong you know yeah really (laughs) so apart from the duo that you first did uh back in your 20 early 20s when did you did you first do a band or did you continue doing solo work or duo work for a long time, or how did how did that work? I did do uh, I did duo work and and solo work for a good uh, twenty years or so from nineteen eighty four around eighty three eighty four until um, yeah the mid nineties it would have been, and then um, sort of family and and uh, a sickness in my family with my. Uh, then wife, mm-hmm. um, I ended up stopping playing around the public club for about 12 years. Oh, wow. So never hadn't really ever done any bands in that first part of my career. I dabbled in a few but never did any working bands. So that first part of my career, that first 20 years plus, was all duo and then solo and then the 12-year break. Mm-hmm. And then I think it was uh, around two thousand, yeah, in the in the teens it was there that I started going again to uh, blues jams. Yes, yep. And um, and that's where I met a lot of musicians and met a lot of people. It's where I met you. It is down the ball face stag. <laughs> yeah. What a great yeah. venue that was. Yeah, it was. Anyway, from going to these blues jams, um, you know, I'm I'm. Came to know Jim, Jim Finn, who was, who was uh, the guy running one of these particular blues jams. And um, we got on really well. And every week he'd have a guest artist playing with the, with the house band, which was him, um, another guy called Al Britton on bass, and I um, can't remember the other guys. Oh, Roscoe on, on keys. Keys and Paul Serrano, was it, yeah. maybe? 
Rocco Watt. Uh, Paul Samrani, he did do another jam with Jimmy. That was the jam that was out at... Um, out at Rudy Hill. The Carousel at Rudy yeah. Hill, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. No, I, I met Jimmy at the Bald Face Dag one, and he would have a guest guitarist every week. So he'd have, like, um, PJ O'Brien or, you know, um, Simon Kinney Lewis. There's a couple of them. And so he asked me to be one of those guys. Wow. Which that was, you know, I thought, oh wow, that's this is awesome. I'm not even like a blues player, really, you know. Like, I'm, I didn't actually even know that many blues songs, yeah. and I actually had to write some blues songs because <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> I thought I'd just write my own; it'd be easier. Yes. And, um, and that they were cool with that, and they, you know, they played and played them with me, and um, and that led to me and Jimmy, Jim become you know, better friends and um, actually played a guest at a few of his, his band thing. Mm-hmm. He asked me to do a few guest appearances with them as well, which was fun. And so I sort of got the taste then for wanting to have a band. So I thought, I'd, then I thought I'll start, a, start my own band. So the first one was um, – was a band I joined, which was called Back to the Sixties. Oh, okay. And um, that that was fun. They were a really good bunch of musicians, and um, it didn't really take off. Was, I don't think I even knew what they were doing management wise or trying to in, trying to get work. And um, and I was just you know the sort of the last one in, so I wasn't going to step on anybody's toes or anything like that. So that band ended up folding after about a year of rehearsals and we only ever did two gigs, I think. Yeah, I was going to say I've never heard of you being in that band or with that name and I thought, oh, that's new. Yeah, well, it was meant to be just all, all 60s covers, you know, yep. and dancing. And But anyway, that one didn't work out. And it's always it's the case with a lot of bands that don't always work out. That's it. That happens. So, so the next band I started was with – guys I'd found at these blues jams so you know if you want to start a band it is a great um, place to start by going to jams like this because you meet other musicians and you often can find musicians like-minded musicians who are you know like the same sort of things that you do yes um, you you find you can they're easy to play with and so I, I found a Russian and an Aussie yes and I added my partner's son, um, who can play any instrument. So oh, Jack is a wonder, isn't he? Yeah, young Jack, who's, who still plays with him, both for my bands to this day. But um, anyway, so that was the second band. That was called Why Not? Yes. And that, that went all right for a, about a year and a half. And, um, you know, we, we did a few dozen gigs. And it was and it was it was okay, it was okay. But then um, when we started adding original material and stuff, there started to be a bit of friction. And, um, and the Russian guy, you'd know yes, Slava, yes. yeah, he he ended up leaving because he wasn't happy with the way the direction of things, you know. And this is often a thing that happens in bands, like they, people don't agree on the direction, or they don't agree on particular songs, or. Yes. You know, and it ends up uh, busting up. So so we carried on without him and it became just a three-piece. And with Jack on drums, uh, 
with Steve Pager on bass, you know Steve as yes. well, and me on guitar. And then that went well again for about another year and a half. And um, that was when uh, COVID hit, I think. Yeah, it would have been. Now, what was the band? Because the band changed names, I believe. Yeah, that was called, yeah, the Blue Ride Band. And, That's uh, right, yes. And it was, it was, you know, it was a pretty good band. It was a, it was a step up for me because uh, playing guitar and singing and being the front man in a three-piece band is is pretty big. It's, it's, um, there's nowhere to hide. No. You know, when you're in that situation and, and you know, the whole band is relying on you. I mean, your, your bass and drums are your meat and bones of any band. But, you know, that front man, lead singer, lead guitarist, rhythm guitarist, you know, you've got a big, big load to carry. Absolutely. And, and, and you soon find uh, where you need to step up. Oh, you do. You do. And, and it, it improved me a lot as a musician, I believe. It That's really, good. Yeah, it pushed me to have to do better. Mm-hmm. And, yes, it served me well. I'm still doing three-piece and um, I actually really like the challenge of it. That's good. And do you find uh, now that you're settled with Jim on drums and, and Jack on bass? Yeah. Are you Now that you're settled with that, uh, did you ever feel that, in the bands that you had been in before that, or that you organised before that you would feel as settled? No, probably not. Uh, with Jim, Jim Finn has been like playing drums since he was like five or six yes. years old. And he did his first gig before he was even a teenager. Oh, wow. And, um, and he's, he's a... Consummate professional. Yeah, I love Jim. He's just one of those people that yeah. puts you at ease. He, you know, takes no nonsense and he tells it like it is. And I just, I think the world of him. He, he he's absolutely. He's, he's been a really good mentor for me. He's only he's a few years older than me. Like he's, he's sort of like a big brother yes. to me. Yeah. And um, yeah, he you know, certainly lets me know. When I'm not, when I'm stuffing up. Oh, oh well, I guess that's good. <laughs> no, certainly lets me know, and um, and that's all good. That's all, I'm very easy going and easy to work with. Yeah. And um, and young Jack, um, he's got to be one of the best bass players or best musicians I've seen. He can, I can throw any song at, at Jack, um, even if he hasn't rehearsed it, never heard it before. Mm-hmm. As long as he can see what I'm. See my hands. He can do it. He can. He'll. He'll. he'll absolutely nail it, and um, that gives you a lot of confidence. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when when you when your drummer and your bass player are, are so good that you don't have to worry. You know, you know, you don't have to worry about them at all. You know, yeah. And you can just concentrate on doing your thing. You know, so yeah, that it, I'm definitely heaps more comfortable. That's with having those two behind me. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And Keith is the only uh, is guitar the only instrument you play, or do you play others as well? I do play others. So I can I, occasionally um, I'll jump over onto the bass guitar and we'll let Jack 
sing a song and play guitar. Oh, cool. Because he's a killer guitar player. Like, he can shred like Van Halen. Oh, wow. And, you know, not that we want him to shred, but <laughs> um, it's just good to let him let him have a change. And I'll jump over on the bass guitar, and I don't mind playing the bass for a song or two. It's fun and um, interesting. Yes. Something different, you know, to what you used to on guitar. And I also play keyboards. So um, I'm by no means a piano virtuoso, but I know the chords. I, can, I know enough to, like, um, use it in my recording and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I do play drums, but I choose not to <laughs> because it's too much hard work. <laughs> I think so Leave too. Drum. Yeah. I've had a go on a drum kit and I just can't organise everything to go at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, you know, it's very coordinated thing, the drums, and you need stamina and um, you need to, like, find a way to stay really loose. And, yes. And that helps you not get tired, but it's difficult. It's very hard. Yeah. And, you know, you get like people like Jim Finn who can play and sing at the same time and and he does great harmonies and so uh, yeah he sure does i'm very fortunate to have a great drummer you can sing and what's the longest gig you think you've done longest gig? yeah as in hours like just a three-hour well, gig or? longest longest paid gig is, it would have been four hours and i wouldn't i've never worked longer than that paid gigs there's been plenty of parties <laughs> <laughs> where, where i played over eight hours, you know. Oh, wow. Right. Did you have any skin left on your fingers at the end of it? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm might, I might pretty good. I'm pretty good. <laughs> I, my fingers haven't bled since <laughs> I, was, I was a young teenager. Yeah. Uh, the, my calluses are exceptional. Oh, that's great news. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So yeah. what's your favourite genre of music to play or sing or both um i would say you know rock pop mm-hmm. is my favorite to sing and have most fun with it but um you know i do like when i'm playing solo i really do like you know folk ballads and or even pop ballads um where you can sort of explore your your vocal a bit more you know the, the light and dark yes you know, songs which you get more of in a ballad. I mean, a lot, a lot of rock, pop. It's you just you're belting it out. Mm-hmm. You match the whole song. A lot of them, you know. But if you get you take a a nice folk ballad, you can really set up a lot more dynamics with your voice. Yes. Um, you know where you can you can start soft and soulful and build it something stronger. You know, and you can put a lot more emotion, I think, into the, that kind of thing. And I think you do that exceptionally well. And plus you have not only the the timbre of your voice, you've got the range and you've also got depth and loudness as well. Yeah, but being able to project, I think, is really important. Absolutely. Oh, projection, singer. yes, that's the word I was looking yeah, for. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they need to hear, be able to hear you down the back just as well as they can hear up the front. Yeah. 
and um, you've got to really sing from your gut. Yes. You know, and, and, um, it's where the power comes from. And do you find you it know. easier these days to lug around gear because the newer gear is lighter or do you still have gear that's of a certain vintage that you wouldn't change out for anything? Oh, no, I'm all for the modern stuff that's lighter. And it's, it's, it sounds great. The stuff that they make in these days sounds great. You know, I've got two compact front of house speakers and you can carry two of them, you know, like on your car to the, into the venue quite easily. Would they be 10-inch um, or 12-inch or...? I'll have their compact 12 inch, you know, so they they look like 10 inch, but they're actually 12 inch. Okay. Uh, and yeah, I do. I use QSC, um, which you'll see around if you're a musician. You you would see them around a lot of venues. Yeah, I have. Yeah. They're pretty much the standard for QSC, which stands for Quality Speaker Company. Oh. Um, you know, they're thousand watt peak each, which is around about 300 watt. That's not a bad sound from some, for something compact, is it? It is. I mean, they're, they're more than adequate for the types of venues we play at, which are, you know, um, small to medium pubs yes. mostly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, small to medium rooms. And um, I'm still not a fan of carrying it. <laughs> if anybody wants to come and help me carry my gear, I'm always happy to do, let them. <laughs> I know the struggle is real. <laughs> Actually, but I do have a few fans who are always there at the end of a gig and say, and then they they want to carry my stuff, you know, and I'm and I'm, I'm happy to let them. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. That's for sure. And what's your favourite place you've ever played? Would you say? Oh. Yeah, that's just it's, it's a hard one. Um, would it have been maybe younger at a party or? A I think it would have been. I think it would have been one of my gigs a long, long, long time ago. Yeah. Back in the eighties, I, I remember I did a New Year's Eve down the south coast, and we would have had like a crowd of about a thousand people. Oh. And, and that was that was, and the dance floor was just packed, a couple of hundred people dancing, you know, and. That was, that was pretty special. It, was, it sticks in my memory, so it must have been special. Yeah, that would have been really yeah. uh, something, looking out at all those yeah, people yeah. just enjoying themselves so much and knowing that you're making, you're helping them enjoy themselves. Yeah, no, there's just so much energy in the room. You just feed off it, you know. It's it's yeah. It's a, there's nothing like it, you know, that kind of thing. It's a, such a buzz. Yeah, definitely when people are up and dancing and singing along with you and... Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So that's what it's all about. You, you can, you know, you're truly connecting. Yeah. I mean, you can. I've, I've played gigs where there's been one person in the room, and um, and he was falling asleep <laughs> on the table because he was so drunk. That happens. Yeah, it does. It does happen. And I was slowly turning the volume up to see if I could wake him up. <laughs> Never managed to wake him up. No. You know, this, you get some terrible gigs like that and they can be really disheartening and, you know, they really affect you. And But luckily, another gig or two down the line, you'll have a really good one. Yeah. 
you know, where there will be people who are coming up to, you know, tell you, oh, yeah, I really love your music, you know, or that song, you know, really touched me, uh, you know, uh, it was great getting to have a dance, you know, all these kind of things they might say to you. And, you know, you really, and then you feel, oh, this is why I'm doing it. You remember why. You know, Absolutely. You enjoy it so much. And, I yeah, guess at so. gigs where there's only one or a couple of people, you could always view that as a paid um, rehearsal. Well, that, that's quite true. And it, it, it is often that what happens is, when there aren't very many people there, I, would, I still do it to this day. I mean, we still get gigs like that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, and we will say, oh, wait, what about we try this new one or try this, you know, like see how it goes. And um, yeah, I've done like, quite a bit of that. And you find and you find new great songs that way, you know. That, yeah. Well, that worked really well. We should do that all the time, you know. And it's really good too because you've got such a huge repertoire uh you can change songs in and out so you don't get bored of them that's true absolutely true and uh my band's repertoire at the moment would be about 160 songs so oh, that's good yeah you know, and um, of course you have your you will have a standard lot of songs that you always do but yeah the other ones can be changed around and it does help to keep things interesting yeah for sure yeah. For sure. Yep. Now I want to talk a little bit about uh, the songs that you've written because I do know you've written quite a few. How many would you estimate that you've written? I'd say about 120, 230 songs and, total. And where can people hear your music? Um, some of my music is currently on uh, Bandcamp. Spotify, Apple Music, and you'd find them by looking up, just doing a search of the name Todd, T-O-D, mm-hmm. and you'd search on any of those platforms. Yeah, you, I should come up in the search, and um, I've only got the one EP on there at the moment. I have done... Um, an album with my other band, FTB. Mm-hmm. It's Finn, Todd and Brown. Used to be Finn, Todd, Bootsy, but um, Bootsy no longer with the band. So mm-hmm. we got another B, which is Brown. Well, that fits. Replaced Bootsy with the Brown. <laughs> and, um, and things are much happier that way. We're working very well. Good. And so uh, with that band, Jimmy, Jim Finn writes half the songs and I write the other half the other half Mm -hmm. and that band is is actually gigging and doing um, about half originals half Aussie covers so it's an all Aussie show yes and um so that band FTB we put an album out during probably just after the end of COVID and I believe that's also on the same platforms and the album's called Break the Chain Break the Chain Fantastic. Break the chain, yes. Okay. Um, I've got about, I think I have six original, my original songs on there, and there's a, a co-write with Jim. There's one song that's co-written mm-hmm. with him, and he's got a half a dozen on there. Uh, um, yeah, you'll find that on it. On I said on any platforms, Bandcamp, Spotify, Apple Music, 
is probably one I'm missing, but um, you get the gist there. Yeah. So, so you can look up Break the Chain by FTB and find that. Yeah. So you would have sent me an uh, MP3 of one or two songs. So I'm going to slot those into the interview probably right about now. And this is Without You. Have you ever went away? I would never be the same. I don't know whether I'd make it through. What would I do without you? Without You is probably one of my favourite songs from Keith. So, Keith, do you think that COVID was uh, instrumental to you writing more music or collaborating with Jim on more music? Would you, do you think you would have done it so much and brought out the EP uh, if COVID wasn't around and you were gigging uh, all the time? Definitely not. I've always found this that... Um... Whenever I've, I'm gigging a lot, and I, I, I don't, I 
don't have the time for writing. Yeah. So not that I can't write, but I find that if I have a lot more time, I do write. And obviously during COVID, I had a lot more time. We certainly so, did. Yeah. So, yeah, it was very conducive to writing and recording. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we did remote recording where, you know, I'd send files to Jim, he'd send files to me and so on, so on. And it's how a lot of these, a lot of the songs were put together was remotely. Yeah. Um, which worked fine and um, it was good. We um, came up with a good album. and I think I wrote some really good songs during that COVID period. Um, so, you know, having that time is good. Yeah, definitely. When I'm gigging, I find like my head is constantly filled with covers a lot of the time. Yes. And um, or having to learn new covers and exploring that all the time. Um, there's another reason I like FTB is because we are getting to play my original stuff in that show, which is great. And and I can add anything from the back catalogue if I want to. You know, yeah. As long as it suits the the genre we're trying to cover. And what? Um, how is the reception from people if you're not playing covers and playing originals instead? Like you wouldn't do a whole show of originals, or you do? What no, are- we don't do a whole show of originals. No, we we. We found that they are, they are very well received, uh-huh. and and we tend to do more of the originals earlier in the show. Okay, yeah. Because uh, once we get about halfway through the show, people are wanting to dance, yes, and sing along. So from that point, we pretty much start. We bring in the covers, you know, the you know great well known ones. People know they're going to dance to them. They're going to sing along, and um, they that makes them really happy. Oh, absolutely. So, so it's working. That sort of format's working well, you know. Um, well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, Keith, could you tell me a funny story from any time in the past since you've uh, been working as a musician? There's got to be a couple of funny stories. Well, the one that always comes to mind for me, I don't know how funny it is. It probably it was probably funny for anybody watching mm-hmm. what happened. But, um, yeah, when I was young, first starting out, I, I, you know, I did tend to drink a bit. Mm-hmm. My partner in the duo would always do the driving. Come and pick me up. And he'd have all the gear. Well, basically all I had to do was get my guitar out, plug it in and, and do my thing. Yep. And I'd get a lift to and from the gig. So this wasn't good for me. Because <laughs> <laughs> it, it meant that I could drink quite a bit. And um, anyway, this one time, I think, I believe it was Bado Bay Hotel, which is on the Central Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, I had this bottle of bourbon and it's in the hotel room because they give you a hotel room back then in those days as well. And I remember before I went out over to the the pub and go on stage, I'd drunk about three quarters of a bottle of Jim Beam. Oh, my God. How were you still standing? <laughs> well, I was still standing. I was <laughs> <geez, laughs> really And 
And I, I, I remember getting on the stage. I don't remember what I was playing or whatever. There's a few songs in, <laughs> and I was, I was jumping about and around a bit. And I remember I went to go to step forward. I was on, I was on about a one foot high stage. And oh no! Anyway, I went tumbling, and I did a big <laughs> couple of tumbles with my guitar and everything, and oh, ended up back on my feet. But was right in front of right in front of the manager for oh. the whole thing. Oh no! <laughs> and, and finished the song. It's like the song continued. <laughs> <laughs> so you were being a stunt man. Oh yeah, it was it was amazing that I ended up back on my feet. I don't know how I did that, but anyway, right after the song finished, the managers come up and he basically told us get off the stage. <laughs> Get out. Don't ever come back here again. Oh, <laughs> uh, oh dear. Yeah. Oh, dear. Well, and what I, I, yeah. I never drank that much again before a gig. You know. No. No. I want to know, did the, did the guitar survive? It did. It, it's not a scratch. <laughs> I didn't have a scratch either. It was a well padded carpet. <laughs> That's a great story. Yeah, I yeah. guess um, some of the the best um, stories too are after parties. Oh yeah, I've been well I've had many after parties, and a lot of after parties I I have ended up like I pull my guitar out and I'll be end up playing and singing till the sun comes up. Oh. That's happened many times in my life. Yeah, that's the best, isn't it? That's the absolute yeah, best. Yeah. yeah, I've had some great times like that. Just around a table with a bunch of friends and yeah. Yeah. yeah singing all the songs we know and love yeah great yeah how many hours do you reckon you've sung for before your voice gives out or does it just well, keep I'm, going is it like the ever ready ever ready bunny oh, and no, just keep no, going we'll wear out especially if you're doing rock you know and you're playing loud um it's about three gigs so you know it's about eight hours of like full on hard singing, you know, like Yeah. Um like you mean like Jimmy... I could keep going, but mm. you tend to start to lose your tops, mm. your high your high notes. Your voice can't get you can't sing those really high notes and yeah. um, you, it's just too you've been too much strain on your vocal cords. Mm. Uh, and then it takes a you know, a good three or four days to recover from that. And if you're a working musician, you don't need that because you'll be back at work the next weekend. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And you don't want to do yeah. any damage either. You don't. You know, you don't. You know, unfortunately, I don't smoke anymore. Um, I found when I used to smoke mm-hmm. when I was young, it actually didn't last as long as it does now. Yeah. Um, it would be two gigs and I would be starting to lose the high the high notes on my voice. So, yeah. Oh, um, smoking's terribly destructive to your voice in your lungs. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. It's terrible for it. And yeah. speaking of which, how have you found, have you found a very marked improvement from when the room used to be full of smoke or the venue used to be full of smokers to when they stopped allowing smoking inside? Um, I haven't really... Um, notice a difference. Uh, 
I'm sure it would make a difference, though. Mm, mm. I think it would make a huge difference. Um, yeah. No, you've got to look after your voice. And um, but I'm glad that they don't have smoking in venues now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, look, we were uh, doing a, a gig and the lady, we were outside and the lady come and lit the brazier, you know, the fire pit. And oh, yeah. which way do you think all the smoke come? <laughs> oh, yeah. Straight onto us. And I'm just yeah. like, I can't sing in that. <laughs> I did, but um, we all of our equipment and everything just stunk of smoke. And I just thought, yeah. oh, imagine being in a in a small room and people still smoking. How destructive. Yeah, mm. true, true. So what was – do you like going and seeing other bands, Keith? Have, what's the best live show or band that you've seen? Well, if you're talking local, I've, I've been going to watch uh, – uh, this band recently, I've seen them play about three times now, and that's called. Uh, he's called um, Kevin Bennett and the Flood. Okay. And and they're a little bit country, kind of, um, but very Aussie. He's got all these really great original songs, and the band is just so um, smooth and tight. And just, I think they've been playing together for, for like over thirty years or something. This band. Mm-hmm. I'd highly, I'd highly recommend them. Yeah, that's Kevin Bennett and, and the Flood. The Flood, yeah. Yep. Um, and they play up at the Bayview Tavern quite often, which is over Gladesville. Yep. Um, so I highly recommend, yeah, going to see them because I've really enjoyed it. And I don't go out to see a lot of bands. I really don't. No. Um, I haven't. I mean, I've, you know, I've obviously back in the eighties, I went to uh, the entertainment centre quite a few times. I think I saw. Um, I saw Dire Straits and um, Elton John and um, John Cougar Mellencamp, mm-hmm. which was was one of the best shows I've seen. Like you're talking like um, international acts. Yes, um, he was really really good. Um, like like on the record, you know, like listening to a record almost. Wow, because um, I know that a lot of bands when they're in the recording studio, of course they do take after take after take or, yep. you know, that guitar part wasn't any good but this guitar part was good and they can mishmash it all around. Yep. And I have heard yep. and seen that you go and see a show and it's like, hang on, that's not quite like the record. <laughs> no, yeah, because the high production in, in the recording studio, they're trying to make everything sound exactly as they want it to sound, like the best it can be. And reproducing that live is always it's always difficult. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you have to think about that when you when you're recording this stuff. I think if you want to reproduce it well, mm-hmm. you know, you've got to you record it as such. So it can be reproduced live. Yeah, I think that's very important because some of the later Beatles things, and I know they stopped doing live shows because they were just so overwhelmed with crowds. I yeah. guess, and I'm, I'm sure there was more than that reason. But um, some of the things that they did later on in the studio, they would have had no hope of ever um, doing on stage. Yeah, not as four piece. All the, the orchestral songs where they had full orchestras playing in them and, and just, you know, 
would have been very difficult to do without an orchestra with them. Have you ever seen the, what they would have done? Yeah. Have you ever seen the Beatles live at all, or Paul McCartney because he's going to come out here shortly? He is. No, I've never got had the pleasure of that. I would have loved that, but, um, and I'd even thought about going to see Paul McCartney. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, I'm already booked on that night that he's in Sydney. Yeah. Uh, um, I won't be able to go see. And plus, you'd have to mortgage your house for it. <laughs> it's oh, very yeah, expensive. I know. I know. <laughs> to get a decent seat. Like, yes. Uh, yeah. Um, if you're going to go see something like that, you want to be close to the front, don't you? Oh, absolutely. That That's yeah. what I think as well. Right, yeah. so well, it's a shame I won't get to see him. Probably be the last time he ever comes out here, I would say. And um, but anyway, that's the way it is. Yeah, I think so too. Mm. What a shame, but anyhow. So, yeah. what's coming up for you, Keith? What have you got on the drawing board? Um, got lots more gigs for the two bands I play in and the duo I play in and solo, and you know, that's going to keep going, but. Otherwise, um, we're doing, looking at recording another FTB album. We're looking at recording a Finked album. Mm-hmm. And they're the two main things that, are, that we're looking at. Um, now, the Finked album will be interesting because it'll be a different bunch of songs to what FTB is doing. Okay. Very, diff- very different songs to, for that band more rock pop you know whereas the ftb is more about rock and roll and rockabilly and nice um so yeah nice well i look forward to seeing those come out um i'm sure you're going to give me all your links so that i can post them with the podcast and people can then have a look and keep up to date with what you're doing and where you're appearing at Cool. So, yeah. Well, um, yeah, we'll give you send you some links to our um website and social media. Yeah, um, that'd be great. Mostly, it's all posted on social media these days. Yeah, seems to be where it's at. I mean, a lot of people don't bother to go looking at websites anymore. And no, um, so yeah, that's where it's at. So that's where you'll see all the gigs listed is on social media. So I'll send you a link for that, and I can also send you some links for uh the. The music we've recorded, the FTB album and the Todd EP. Yep, that'd be great. Um, yep. And um, so I won't worry about the website. <laughs> no worries. No, I'm. I'm just not gonna. I'm, I'm. I just can't keep up with it with with all of it. You know, like trying to do post all over with the social media. There's a few of those, and and then trying to. All, all the same of that on the website as well and email people and send invites here and invites there to you know it's, it takes a lot of your time up it certainly does yeah, that's so. for sure yeah. mm. now do you play anywhere regularly around sydney we do well think is playing regularly at merton hotel um, which is in roselle we play there the first sunday and the third sunday of every month yes um, FTB, other uh, bands, um, are playing regularly at the Gary Owen Hotel mm-hmm. um, once a month and at the Crown Hotel in Sydney, Elizabeth Street, Sydney, playing there once a month. So that, that takes care of the, you know, the original band or half originals, half covers. Mm-hmm. 
um, for now it's two gigs a month for them. And I think to also play regularly at uh, Timot Bridge Hotel, um, Miss Seely's at Ashfield. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of the others. Um, well, we can. Gowrie Hotel, we're trying to get back there. Um, that's all I can think of at the moment, but um, there's a few regulars as you, as you heard. Yeah. And and that's all it takes. You, you get a few residencies and uh, you're constantly working. Oh, the Orange Grove Hotel at Lilyfield is another one we do every month. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that you know, fills us up. Plus, I'm help run a, I'm a co host in a music trivia. I was just show. getting to that, yeah. Which we do every Wednesday at Miss Seely's in Ashfield, and we've been doing that for over two years now. Um, that long, just, my goodness! Yeah, which is it's been great. Yeah, and uh, we get pretty good showing there most weeks. Yeah, and it's a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun. We get to play a few songs as well. Um, so who else is good... who else hosts that with you? Well, Jim Finn is the other host, plus uh, Chris Turner. Mm-hmm. It also been doing with us for quite a while now. Chris Turner was probably best known for his uh, guitarist with Rose Tattoo. Yes. Um, and uh, the band Buffalo, which has got a little bit of fame in the 70s. It I sure does, yes. yes. Yeah. So he's a very well-known guitarist and a very, very, very good guitarist. Also repairs guitars and does guitar setups if anybody's interested in oh, that. Oh, does he? Um, yeah, and he's very good at it. Um, well, Keith, I, uh, I, I seem to know that you have built some guitars. Well, that's true. I have built guitars and I can also do setups and any sort of electronic work on the guitars. But um, I, I did that for a while because I found it really interesting and satisfying, but then I just sort of didn't have the time for it anymore. <laughs> yeah. So, but I did build and sell quite a few guitars. I think about a dozen or so guitars I built and sold. Fantastic. Predominantly Telecasters. Was on the Tele Man. Yeah. Well, I'll, yes, yes. You know, yeah. You can't beat a Telecaster, in my opinion. But you know, plenty of people would argue with me. <laughs> they would. No doubt about that. Everybody likes something different. So, out That's of right. electric guitar and uh, acoustic guitar, what is your personal favourite? That's very hard to choose. If I'm if I'm playing in a band, you know, I'd much prefer to play electric guitar. But if I'm uh, playing solo, you know, or you know, at a party or uh, things like that, I'd much rather be on the acoustic. Right. And what um, what what brand of acoustic guitar do you have at the present? Now that I took the mini maiden. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have three. I have three acoustic guitars at the moment and um the one i'm playing at the moment that i go to at the moment is the the maiden um nashville 808 which is a beautiful guitar oh yes and, um so i have that one then it's uh brother the cole clark mm-hmm. angel it's an angel two also a beautiful guitar to play and um haven't played that one for a while. It's been sitting in the cupboard, um, probably pining for some company. Probably. Or she thing. probably wants to come to my house, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
But you know, and, and those both of those guitars are worth like over two thousand dollars each. Yes, yeah. But, um, the guitar I I do end up going back to a lot is another guitar that I don't actually own it. It's actually owned by my partner Tanya. She bought it. Mm-hmm. She can't play guitar, but she bought this guitar, and I think she bought it so I could play it for her. I'd say so. So you could serenade. You know, and because. But I spotted the bargain, so you know I found this bargain that was on Gumtree, and mm-hmm. it's about ten years ago, and it's a it's a beautiful ovation. And a lot of people don't like ovations, but this is an ovation legend. It's a nineteen eighty seven model. I've played that and guitar, it, and it's beautiful. It is a beautiful guitar, you know. But a lot of people won't don't like the those guitars because they have the the bold plastic back on them, you know. Yeah. I think it's like made out of plastic. I'm not is sure what it's made out of. Is this a fiberglass or something maybe? I don't know. Yeah, it could be fiberglass, but it's quite a big back on them. They're, they're like a bowl. And um, a lot of people don't you know, find them uncomfortable or that they um, they slip off your knee and oh. this kind of thing. Um, but I'm okay with them. I've, I don't find that a real deterrent for me to play it. I find it's a really nice guitar to play. It's got a beautiful tone and yes. uh, it's got an old school acoustic guitar pickup in it, which it works really well. It gives you a really good sound. So I still do play that one. I take that one to a gig occasionally and I play that. Yeah. And, uh, so I tend to move around. I don't always play the same one. Uh-huh. I'll play one for a while and I'll get the other one out now and give that a, a crack for a while. Yeah. So you only have all uh, Telecasters as electric guitars or do you have a Strat in there somewhere? No, I only have Telecasters. I have had Strats, had a few Strats and I've had uh, Gibson Les Pauls and always found myself, I just keep coming back to a Telecaster. Mm-hmm. It's where I feel most comfortable playing. Yeah. I find it's a more... A more versatile guitar, as in it cover more genres than other guitars. Like a, a Gibson Les Paul, I find to be very much a rock guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Strats are close to to Telecasters, although you have you have a tremolo mm-hmm. on a Strat, and I find that with Strats, it might be my my playing style, but I tend to put them out of tune. <laughs> A lot. <laughs> so I don't have that problem with the telly, you know. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it just comes down to personal taste, you know, I guess. Not just what I like, but my style as well. I think mm-hmm. how I play it suits the telly better. Yeah. All right, Keith. Well, I I think that that might be about all for tonight. Unless you have something else you would love to share with the listeners. I don't think so. Um, just look out for the you know, the albums that will be coming out. Um, I'm sure yeah. we can promote those when they're out. And oh, that'd be great if you could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. I appreciate that. All right, there's then. There's going to be some really good songs. Uh, we've got some buttes that, that really need to see the light of day, and they haven't. Yeah. Um, well, I yeah. I for one am looking forward to hearing those. That's for sure. I absolutely love your original music and. I hope you keep writing it for many years to come and performing as well. Thanks, Crystal. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on here with us tonight, Keith. And with that, we'll say good night. Thank you, Crystal. Good night. Good night.
And here's another fantastic song from Keith Todd called What's Going On? And on it, you'll also hear the beautiful vocals of Jim Finn and also his drumming prowess. What's Going On by Keith Todd. You have been listening to Conversations with Crystal and I'm your hostess Crystal. Next week we have another fabulous guest. So until then, please stay happy, stay safe, stay cool, stay awesome, but most of all, stay tuned to this channel. Good night. <laughs>